Canon's announcement on the EOS 90D and EOS M6 Mark II expected by the end of August of this year. Tamron issues notice about Canon EOS R and RP compatibility. And Nikon announces their first quarter FY2020 financials. All of this on episode 32 of the Liam Photography Podcast. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 32. I want to thank all my listeners again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in iTunes and anywhere else that you might be listening to the show. And also be sure to check out the Facebook group that will be mentioned at the tail end of the show. On to our first bit of news this week. Canon is expected to make their official announcements on the EOS 90D and the EOS M6 Mark II mirrorless APS-C bodies at the end of August of this year. It's been reported for quite some time that the Canon 90D and EOS M6 Mark II would be announced on or around August 28, 2019, and we have further confirmation of these reports. This is the full list of products being announced at the end of August, including the official announcements for the two RF mount lenses. The Canon EOS 90D body with 18 to 55 millimeter kit lens or 18 to 135 millimeter kit lens. The Canon EOS M6 Mark II will come in black and silver. You can get the body only or the body with the 18 to 45 millimeter kit or the body with the 18 to 150 millimeter kit and the EVF kit will also be available. Also announced at the end of August will be the Canon RF 24-70 f2.8 LIS USM lens and the Canon RF 15-35 millimeter f2.8 LIS USM lens. Lens hood EW88E and EW88F will also be released. Uh, announced, uh, the announcement will be uh, made at the end of August of 2019. The Canon Cinema EOS C500 Mark II will likely be announced the following week. Rumored specifications for the Canon EOS M6 Mark II are out there, though we've been unable to confirm them. It's also been reported that some interesting suggested specifications for the Canon EOS 90D, but again, these are as of yet unconfirmed. Now, if you remember, folks, I was telling you uh, on some of the earlier episodes of this podcast that the current rumor was that the Canon EOS 90D was going to be a crop body camera that was going to be a combination of the 80D and the 7D Mark II. It was going to have a combination of those two body specs with probably some upgrades as well. Now the reason for this is Canon has announced that they are not going to do a Mark III version of the 7D Mark II, which is an extremely popular sports body for APS-C shooters. Uh, A lot of times hobbyists will buy that uh, to use as a sports body. And my buddy Jeff Harmon from the Master Photography Podcast shoots with the 7D Mark II and absolutely loves it. 
Now the 7D Mark II is a great body. It can do 10 frames a second continuous shooting. So it's fantastic for capturing things like high school sports, whether it's basketball, football, baseball. Uh, to be honest, at 10 frames a second, you can even use it for shooting something like NASCAR or IndyCar racing because 10 frames a second would be more than enough to accomplish that task. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, Canon did already announce that they were no longer going to continue the 7D line and the rumors had been circulating that Canon did not want to snub their sport shooters that are shooting APS-C bodies. So the rumors started swirling that Canon was going to do a combination of the 80D and the 7D Mark II and that that new body would be called the EOS 90D. So it looks like we're getting quite a bit closer to final confirmation on that. We only have a couple of more weeks to go. Uh, before the official announcement later on this month, and then we'll have a lot more details and we'll have more concrete specifications for this new body. Now, the EOS M6 Mark II, I mentioned that uh, in a previous episode recently of this show, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, as Canon was uh, expected to announce both an EOS M5 Mark II and an M6 Mark II, and for those of you that don't remember from the previous episode, both of those bodies are APS-C mirrorless cameras that use the EOS M mount lenses. Now, whether or not there's any possibility down the road that Canon or a third party might offer some sort of adapter to adapt other lenses to the EOS M, I highly doubt they would do it for the RF lenses because of the considerable difference in size of the blade. Uh, the bayonet mount on the uh, RF lenses and the shorter flange distance, I don't see it happening. It may be a possibility, but I definitely would not hold my breath on that particular possibility. Now, the next item I wanted to talk to in the, or talk about in this episode is Tamron issues notice about Canon EOS R and RP lens compatibility. And I would like to announce that we have clarified compatibility of the following Tamron DI and DI2 lenses. Now remember the DI lenses are the Tamron lenses that are compatible with full frame and crop bodies both. The DI2 lenses are the lenses that are made for APS-C Canon bodies only. So please do not try to use those lens on, lenses on a full frame body as you can cause damage to your mirror and shutter assembly. So plan to be released uh, with firmware release dates, will be, our firmware release dates will be announced once they are decided. The SP 15 to 30 millimeter f 2.8 DIVC USD for Canon, SP 70 to 200 f 2.8 DIVC USD, the SP 70 to 300 f 4 to 5.6 DIVC USD, the SP 70 to 300 f 4 to 5.6 DI. VCUSD. Actually, that one's listed twice, but they are showing two different models, the A005 and the A030. Now, there is also expected announcements for the SP90 f2.8 DIVCUSD macro lens, also known as model F004 for the Canon mount. Compatibility as they are, the SP24-70 f2.8 DIVCUSD model A007. And firmware ready, available, updating to the latest version confirms compatibility. If you update the firmware on these following lenses, they will 
be 100% compatible with the EOS R and RP bodies. The 10 to 24 F3.5 to 4.5 DI2 VC HLD. Now remember, being that is a crop body lens, you will have to use the EOS R to uh, EF to R adapter with that lens. You have the SP. 15 to 30 millimeter f2.8 di vc usd g2 model a041 you have the 17 to 35 millimeter f2.8 to 4 di osd model a037 the 18 to 400 f3.5 to 6.3 di2 vc hld model b028 we also have the SP24 F2.8DIVC USD G2 model A032, the SP35 F1.8DIVC USD model F012, the SP45 F1.8DIVC USD model F13 or 013, the SP70 F2.8DIVC USD. G2 model A025, the 70 to 210 millimeter F4 DIVC USD model A034, the SP85 millimeter F1.8 DIVC USD model F016, the SP90 F2.8 DI macro 1 to 1 VC USD model F017. You also have the 100 to 400 millimeter F4.5 to 6.3 DIVC USD model A035. We have the SP150 to 600 F5 to 6.3 DIVC USD G2 model A022, as well as the SP150 to 600 F5 to 6.3 DIVC USD model A011. All of these lenses will be fully compatible with the EOS R and RP once you update the lenses to the latest firmware. Operational only in manual focus, no plan for new firmware. The SPAF 28-75 F2.8 XR DILD Spherical IF Macro Model A09 and other than that, in manual focus mode, this lens will not be supported. There are no plans for a future firmware update that would make that lens fully compatible with autofocus. All Canon mount models released after May 2019 are compatible with the EOS R and RP. Also note, firmware updates can be performed using Tamron's tap and console sold separately or by visiting your local Tamron service center. So it's great news for folks out there that like to buy and use Tamron lenses with their EOS R and RP. Now, Tamron does make some fantastic glass. I, I try not to poo-poo any companies or manufacturers. And to be honest, when it comes to third-party lenses for Canon, I've in the past had much better luck or usability and compatibility with Tamron lenses than with some of the Sigma lenses. Sigma has gotten better in the last few years, and their art lenses are phenomenal. But Tamron, I have never had an issue with any of their Canon mount lenses from day one. Uh, 
from the time I've been shooting all the years I've been shooting Canon and I've used some Tamron lenses here and there. I don't currently have any Tamron lenses and I only have one Sigma which is my 12 to 24 art lens uh, but I have used enough Tamron lenses in the past to report that I have never personally run across any compatibility issues. Now granted I am talking back before the EOS R and RP were released so I'm you know fairly confident that Tamron didn't run into any major issues uh, with any of their Canon lenses uh, uh, being paired up with Canon's DSLR bodies, whether they were full frame or APS-C crop bodies. All right, now in getting to the third bit of news I wanted to touch on this week, and I apologize, folks, this is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode. I've been on the road a lot lately uh, doing my full-time real estate photography work, and my company's currently got me traveling out of state, and then I am also... Uh, making a trip to Pennsylvania to visit with family and friends up there. But the last item I wanted to touch on this week is Nikon, Nikon has released their first quarter of FY 2020 financial results. In the imaging products business, despite steady sales for full-frame mirrorless cameras and their interchangeable lenses, unit sales of both the digital camera interchangeable lens type and the compact digital cameras fell amidst the shrinking market. In addition, initial costs for the interchangeable lenses for mirrorless cameras also led to the decline in revenue and profits. Regarding the business environment for the fiscal year ending March 31, 2020, in the imaging products business, both the digital camera interchangeable lens type market and the compact digital camera market are forecast to continue to shrink. Unit sales of the high-end full-frame camera uh, camera increased mainly in Europe and U.S. thanks to growth in sales of ML camera. However, revenue dropped and uh, impacted sharply and largely by reduced sales of entry and mid-DSLR cameras in Asia, including China. In addition to the sales impact above, the initial development cost for new ML camera lenses suppressed the profits, camera market the camera market continues to shrink. Sales volume reduction is expected in each category, although efforts will be continuously made to expand the sales of ML cameras and Z-mount lenses. Declining revenue of entry to mid-level DSLR and compact DSC is expected to suppress the overall revenue. Investment for the ML lineup expansion increases compared to the previous years. So what it looks like basically, folks, is everybody's feeling the pinch of an ever-shrinking camera market. And it's not just Nikon, and I'm not picking on them in any way, so I don't want the Nikon fans to start, start sending me hate mail about this. Canon has reported the same thing. Nikon is reporting it. Sony's reporting it. Fuji's reporting it. It's happening to everybody. I mean, let's be realistic. The camera market, as far as sales, is shrinking and has been for a number of years now. Now, some of that is in part due to the sophistication and, and, and uh, capabilities of smartphone cameras, and some of it just has to do with the fact that it's just playing an ever-shrinking market where fewer and fewer people are buying uh, interchangeable lens camera systems, whether they're DSLRs or mirrorless. Now, does this mean that Nikon's going the way of the dinosaur? Absolutely not. All of these big camera manufacturers have been predicting that the markets were going to continue to shrink as we moved forward over the next few years. And we're seeing with their 
financial announcements each quarter of the year, whether it's this year or in 2018, 2017, there's been a steady decline in camera sales and profitability and revenue from interchangeable lens camera sales and whether it's mirrorless or DSLR. So it's going to continue. It's, a, it's an ongoing trend. So it's always going to be going forward a continually shrinking pie. And you have more and more competition for said shrinking pie. It's going to be interesting to see how things wash out over time. But I seriously doubt we're going to see Nikon going the way of the dinosaur. I just don't believe it's going to happen. And I don't think it's going to happen with any of the major cam camera manufacturers anytime soon. Now, although Canon and Nikon were a bit tardy to the party entering the mirrorless full-frame market, as everybody I'm sure is aware by now, I've talked about it in previous episodes, as have other shows, uh, whether they're podcasts or YouTube channels. It's just the nature of the beast, and Canon and Nikon did a great job, even though, they were, like I said, they were tardy to the party. They did do a decent job with their first mirrorless full-frame body offerings. Were they able to release their first body and have it be on par technology and, and capability-wise with Sony, who's been doing the mirrorless full-frame camera body uh, platform for about five, going on six years now? No, of course not. They couldn't come right out of the gate and you know punch Sony square in the face with their first offerings, but they did a good job. The Z6 and Z7 are both excellent cameras. So is the EOS R and RP. I absolutely love my EOS R. Um, the one thing, and I had mentioned it in earlier episodes as well, that I think Canon did better than Nikon was the fact that Canon came out with high-end glass right out of the gate, and they also released the EOS R with iDetect autofocus right out of the gate, even though it had limited functionality, at least it was there. Nikon does have it, but it took them considerably longer to release a firmware update that contained that new feature that pretty much all photographers are clamoring for these days, uh, especially if you're a portrait shooter. And it's just because it makes your life so much easier. Um, when the camera can get a lock on a subject's eye for a portrait uh, without too, you really having to do any thinking about it, it leads to better portraits. I can't begin the number of times I've seen portraits that would have been fantastic and they were primarily ruined because the focus was a little soft because they missed hitting the eye. They ended up hitting the nose instead or the forehead or something else and it ended up leaving the portrait fairly soft and relatively unusable. So having the eye detect autofocus is fantastic. Now Sony of course has expanded theirs considerably uh, their eye detect autofocus for portraits with humans was already really great, and they've made it even better. But now Sony has also uh, expanded the playing field with their eye detect autofocus being also compatible with animal eyes. And it may sound silly, but hey, there are people out there that make a really good living doing portrait for uh, pet portrait photography. So don't knock it until you try it, folks. Uh, there's always a way to make a dollar. And uh, in the camera and photography world, and uh, it, you know, some people think of a niche market and excel there and make lots of money, and other people don't because it never occurred to them. Um, it is a very niche market, but there are people out there making a living doing uh, pet portrait photography. So, hey, if Sony wants to uh, cater to those uh, niche shooters by offering animal eye detect autofocus, I say more power to them. That's great. 
And all this competition just means it's going to make the market better and better for all of us consumers. And anytime there's more competition between companies, that's always maximum ben maximally beneficial for us as photographers. All right, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this week's episode. As I said uh, earlier in the show, I apologize. It's a little bit uh, shorter than normal. I usually like to make them at least around 30 minutes. Uh, this one's a little over 20. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm on the road a lot this week, um, doing a lot of traveling, and uh, I don't have as much time for the sh uh, recording these episodes this week. I'm trying to do my best. So I apologize, but I am a one-man operation. Now, I did want to remind my listeners to uh, check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. You can find us on Facebook and click the button to request to join. You do have to answer a question in order to join the Facebook group, and that question is, who is the host of the show? You can put myself, Liam, or Liam Douglas. Either one will do the trick and get you into the group. Once you are in the group, you are perfectly free to upload five of your own images every 24 hours. You can do them one at a time every few hours, or you can do them all at once and have Facebook create their cutesy-wootsy little slideshow thing for you. Either one is perfectly fine. All I ask is that you don't share other photographers' work. I don't care if you have their permission. Do not share the work of other photographers in the group. That will get you banned and blacklisted. And it's just common decency. You know, I, we love having photographers in the group. We love having photography enthusiasts in the group and fans of photography and photographic art in the group. So please just be respectful of other photographers. Only post your own original work to the group. That's all I ask. Now, and of course, we have the security question to try to minimize the spammers and bots and all that stuff, which, you know, everybody knows those things do nothing more than ruin uh, Facebook groups that could otherwise be fantastic. Now, I did also want to remind all of my listeners that you can call and leave a voicemail or you can send a text to the show at area code 470-294-8191. You can call, like I said, and leave a voicemail or a text message. If you have a subject you'd like me to talk about on an upcoming episode of the show, or if you have a question related to photography, uh, photographic techniques, uh, you want me to talk about a particular camera body or lens or a possible lens or body review, whatever the case may be. Uh, maybe you want some uh, information on lighting accessories or studio gear of some kind, whether it's a backdrop system, uh, continuous lighting system, strobes, uh, speed lights, doesn't matter. Feel free to call and leave a voicemail or text the show at 470 2948191. All right, I want to thank all of my listeners again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in iTunes and anywhere else you might be listening to the show, which also includes radio.com as of three weeks ago. So we want to thank the folks at radio.com for including our show in their podcast library. And I will see you all next week in episode 33.